HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And I know everybody is so excited to hear today's show, which is also about ice cream. We did a show last week about ice cream. We're doing ice cream again this week. Maybe it's a summertime thing. Maybe ice cream is where it's at in terms of food tech trends. Either way, it's pretty good. We actually have ice cream here in studio. We are inside Roberta's Pizza in the Heritage Radio Network studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We are back to live in studio recording after quite a while of remote recording on Zencaster because of the pandemic. When you record remotely, you get to interview people from around the world, which is great. But when you're live in studio, you get pizza and then you get ice cream if you invite ice cream people. That's a good trick. <laughs> yeah, I'm very strategic with my content. And by content, I mean in-studio snacks. So today we're going to talk about upcycled food and food waste and how it's a huge problem and how you can solve it with something delicious like ice cream. Joining me today from the West Coast with ice cream is... Tyler Malik, co-founder and head ice cream maker of Salt and Straw. Tyler, thank you for coming yeah. and bringing the ice cream. Ooh, I'm so excited. Yeah, we're going to get to it very soon. It was in dry ice, and so it's it's tempering it's now. Ready. I can feel it. Oh, we're going for the perfect texture. Very excited, and working with him on this really special flavor and this special series that he's doing is Jeremy Kay, who is co-founder and CEO of the Spare Food Company. Hello, and just great to be here. Pizza was good, right? Pizza is already good. worth it's it. So good. All, already worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you woke through the door, and you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a great smell and everything. Um, if you're following along at home, or on your commute, or the subway, or on the treadmill, or wherever it is you are when you listen to this podcast, um, and you want to check things out, saltandstraw.com, and the and is spelled out spareFood.com. Those are the websites. 
and robertaspizza.com, heritageradionetwork.org. We had the famous original pizza with pepperoni, which is my mm. personal favorite. Yeah, it's not the famous original of Roberta's. It's Roberta's duping the flavor of all the famous original sliced pizza joints in New York City, famous for sliced pizza. And then if you put pepperoni on the famous original, you really get a perfect storm of that great mm -hmm. sliced pizza flavor, but in the amazing wood-burning oven, Roberta's sort of Neapolitan-esque style pizza, which is amazing. So we just had that. We have that every week. Salt and Straw Ice Cream. It's an interesting, nice company. It's all mm. the good things you want from ice cream. It's good ingredients and good people, and it's happy, and you can go mm. to a scoop shop and have it in person. You can order it online. <laughs> but like most thoughtful people who are involved in making food to feed people in the world, Tyler started thinking about how they make it, what they make it with, and how they could make it better. And mm -hmm. sometimes better doesn't mean taste better, priced better. In some instances, better means something totally different. So mm -hmm. Tyler, tell us about how you started thinking about how to make salt and straw ice cream better and yeah. how you define that. Yeah, I think for us, I mean, first of all, our kind of ethos is telling stories through food, um, through ice cream, almost using this ice cream as a soapbox to talk about really important food causes. Um, in this case, we've, you know, I personally, I'm on the board with a nonprofit in Portland that fights food waste locally. We've been tackling this issue for years at Salt and Straw, um, talking about just the amount of waste and the amount of need in our system. Um, in Multnomah County alone in Portland, we waste about 40% of our food and one in five children are called, considered malnourished. So, which... so before we like roll through that too quickly, as a county... 40% of the food is wasted. And how do you define wasted food? I think it's for every one pound of food that we grow, that we you know, put the energy into producing, uh, we're only yielding 60%. Um, and a lot of that is happening systemically. We're throwing it away at the fields. We're throwing it away at the grocery stores. We're throwing it away at catering events. Um, there's huge opportunity to save this. So wasted food is food that is produced somewhere along the way that is 100% edible, good yeah. to eat, safe to eat, consumable, mm -hmm. and for one reason or another, winds up in the trash. Absolutely. So wasted food is not literally like when you're done eating dinner and you're cleaning your plate before you wash it. Right. That's not the wasted food. The wasted food is yeah. maybe produce that's not picture perfect that goes to the side because example. nobody yeah. wants to buy it or, um, you know, a restaurant only using, you know, Certain parts, certain of, the parts of the chicken yeah. or the potato or whatever, right. and then those yeah. things get discarded or... Or looking at grocery stores, right? Like the expiration dates are, are inherently... I write expiration dates for ice cream and it's a joke. We just write it to cover our asses. Because you know? uh, that's ass what we're supposed to of, do legally. Right. Um, uh, but it's arbitrary. Ice cream is good in the freezer for, a for thousand forever. Years. As good yeah. as your freezer lasts. If it's not melted, then it's good. Um, and so it, it's... What about freezer burn? Sure. Yeah, but it's but still, that's not a safety it's still issue. food that's safe. That's just a taste yeah, or palate quality. issue. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's there's kind of this arbitrary kind of rules within our system that we just, we almost need to think about it completely differently. And that's our goal with this menu. All, you know, partnering with amazing companies like Spare Food Co., um, partnering with Upcycled Food Association to talk about some of these 
kind of inherent forms of waste in our system. So it's a statistic that we talked about when we spoke before the show was 229 million tons of food are uneaten and wasted annually. Yeah, million tons. And what geographic That's space does that cover? I think that's the, the amount that's generally, um, if I'm correct, in the United States. United States. Okay. Because uh, I think global food waste is in the billion pounds. It is. And it's over a billion pounds globally. And, you know, from our perspective, Which is breathtaking. that number is probably vastly undercounted. Probably. Mm-hmm. So, Tyler, you are looking around your ice cream shop. Mm. You're thinking about your process. You want to eliminate food waste internally. Right. And you want to eliminate or try to work on less food waste externally. So how did you decide to start? What were your first steps in conquering that? Because I do think that so many times, not just in business, but in life, as consumers in the food space, we want or to make a difference. And Mm -hmm. we are aware Mm -hmm. of all the things that are we're being bombarded with Mm -hmm. of all these things that are happening. But sometimes it's hard to identify how we can actualize that right yeah i think that's i mean i've been through this my own personal journey for the past five six years you know working i think we first did a menu at salt and straw about just food waste we said these are all this is all the food that's being wasted these are unique ways we can use these ingredients and um five years ago that was uh it was enlightening but it was disparaging how did you identify the food that was being wasted um we worked with a lot of different you know restaurants um farmers uh we you know we we take a pallet of sun choke that would have been left in the field um, and cook that into ice cream, things like that. And, and a lot of that was interesting, but it wasn't actionable. And I think what's interesting is over the last five years with the Upcycled Food Association, with some of these you know, pivotal companies, we're starting to see ways for customers to look for indicators, to use their buying power, to change the, the system, to change the entire purview of what food waste is and um, how to eat it in really unique ways, um, how to integrate it into their everyday buying. So upcycledfood.org is the website if people want to take a look at that. It's the Upcycled Food Association, and they also have an Upcycle certified stamp of approval. Mm. How did you find them? And tell us about the process of having Salt and Straw go through their Upcycled certification process and what you learned and what changes you had to make. And also... Ultimately, that's how you meet Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, we started, I think this is, we're just at the start of what this this is going to be, in my opinion. This You're going to start seeing this logo. You're going to start seeing this um, kind of, this this Sort of verbiage. maybe where organic was 20 years ago. Exactly. Or fair trade. Um, everywhere. I think you're going to see it on the shelves everywhere, all across the country over the next year. And it's it's super important for us. We got all five of our flavors for the entire menu certified upcycled. We worked with their, uh, you know, their um, kind of the the inspectors coming in, looking at our kitchen, looking at our systems, looking at our recipes, and proving that at least ten percent of this product would have gone been thrown away. And we're replacing what would have been virgin product with great ingredients. Um, you know, in the case with this flavor, we. We use some of the whey almost like we would use lemon juice um, instead of shipping lemon juice, you know, lemons all the way from Florida. Um, so uh, it, it's actually there's some really cool ways that you're you're actually seeing these ingredients come through. 
And it's not shocking from a flavor perspective. Like flavor-wise, these are wholesome. They're delicious. It's what we'd always make. It's just that, uh, you know, we get to work with some of these amazing partners to tell their story. So Upcycled Food is looking at two things. They're looking at salt and straws production unto itself when you're producing ice cream to look at your food waste and how you're doing with that. And then the secondary thing they're looking at is the ingredients you use to make the ice cream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What percentage of ingredients are actually what we'll call upcycled food or food that would have gone to waste? Yeah, at least 10% of every single pint. Um, So out of this pint, one tenth of it would have gone to waste. So Jeremy, you are involved with not only your company that you co-founded with your brother, Adam Kay, who's a chef, but you are also involved with uh, upcycled food. Yeah. Um, so what's the chick? What's the chicken and egg? Were you involved with upcycled egg. food and then started the spare food company? No. You started the spare food company and then became involved? So Adam and I uh, launched the spare food company in the middle of 2018. And that came after a couple of very successful pop-ups that he and Chef Dan Barber uh, created first here in New York and then in London called Wasted looking at food within their own food system as a restaurant and asking their purveyors to show them what they weren't currently getting access to. Adam came off of that experience in 2017 in London and said, I think there's a business opportunity here. Might you be interested? And, you know, he's my brother. We've grown up in a food family. We get on great. Um, It wasn't a a long stretch for me to say, of course, let's spend some time and see what that might be. It was right around the time that the data was starting to come out about how much food is actually wasted, both in the US and around the world, and some of the reasons behind it. And I think what was really interesting there is that, you know, what happened with Adam is that he came at it from a culinary perspective, not a flag-waving, save-the-world perspective. He's a chef at Blue Hill Stone Bar. He was. He was for almost two decades chef uh, and um, uh, culinary director at, at Blue Hill Stone Barns with Chef Dan Barber and David Barber and the rest of the team there. And, you know, working on a working farm, farmers doing farm chores, excuse me, uh, chefs doing farm chores, farmers in, in menu meetings, cooking without a menu, it just is a different perspective of, a, of how a, we see our food. They're very close to the food. It's a more of a closed loop with the food where it's raised, harvested, cooked, consumed, and then turned into product. And you see it really all very firsthand. Absolutely. And then, you know, for Adam's purview specifically as well was on the charcuterie and butchery side. Um, and use of whole animal, whole ingredient cooking, which again is is not just in the meat program there, it's really thought of throughout. And that's the 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 perspective that Adam brings to us. So we're we're creating the spare food company at that point in time. We're naming it the spare food company, not the wasted food or the food waste company, because this is extra, it's available for use. And um, the data is starting to come out, um, NRDC, WRI, World Resource Institute, WWF, a lot of data coming out, really then coming to a point in 2017, 2018 with Paul Hawkins' Project Drawdown. And the explanation and the, the validation of this strong hunch that we can actually make a difference in terms of the climate crisis and, and reversing the impacts of climate change through how we think ways of thinking differently about our food system. So that's how we come at it. 
all of uh, this was kind of growing up at the same time. Uh, Renewal Mill, Matriarch Foods, there's a, a number of companies, um, Regrained, um, all coming together around the same time. Um, in addition to the Upcycled Food Association starting right before that started, a little bit before that started was an organization called Refed. So a lot of, of kind of energy and perspective given to this as a challenge uh, that we can solve. I think that's the beautiful thing about it. There's so much optimism around the companies working in the space. This is, these are ingredients. It's delicious food. It's you know definitely not waste. Sometimes for us, it's not even a byproduct. It's a co-product the way that we purchase from yogurt manufacturers. It's created alongside of that delicious strained yogurt. I think a really easy way for people to understand the idea of spare food or a completely usable ingredient that is created along the way of making something, um, egg, eggs are complete food. But oftentimes when we're cooking, we need to separate it into the yolk and the white. Famously in Bordeaux, where they make wine, they use a lot of egg whites to filter the wine that's in barrel. Do it naturally because it has egg whites have this amazing filtering capacity to them, both cold in wine and then also in cooking. So they use a lot of egg whites in Bordeaux to filter the wine. And then they had all these egg yolks. Well, being a farm community, being French and the utilization and knowing how to cook and all of those types of things, there's a very famous little cake in Bordeaux called the Canelet, and it is made almost entirely of egg yolk. Hmm. It's egg yolk with yeah. some sugar, a small, small amount of flour. They're baked in these very beautiful copper molds lined with beeswax, so they get crunchy, a little bit of vanilla sometimes, almond. Bordeaux is famous for the Canelet, and it's simply, what do we do with all these egg yolks? They're very valuable. Eggs mm -hmm. are expensive. We're not going to throw them away. We're going to do something with them. So they created something that is very unique and a signature. Same thing if you're going to make a souffle at home or you're going to cook something or, you know, in today's drive to consume as much protein as possible, egg white omelets, egg whites. Mm -hmm. We've all seen containers of egg whites in the grocery store, in the dairy section next to the whole eggs. Where do you think the yolks go? Maybe they go into ice cream. Custard. Maybe they go into cakes, oh. custards. Yeah. Um, I have yet to hear anybody order an all yolk omelet, but maybe that's tried, coming. But, uh, um, so that I think yeah. that's a really easy way. If you've ever cooked at home and you had yeah. to separate your yolks and your whites, you have them. You don't want to throw one away because you know how much you paid for the dozen eggs. So so many of the things that we consume, especially at scale, imagine you know, all the liters of wine that they're producing in Bordeaux, think about, you know, the tons and tons of, of egg whites. So I think, um, I'm sure people have had Greek yogurt very recently. It's one of the most trendiest, popular, you know, things that we have now that's been on the rise for years and years. How much whey is created in the Greek yogurt process? And tell us why you can't just put whey into down the drain and down the sink, not just why would you do that? Useful. Because it's delicious and, and valuable. <laughs> but this is something when we yeah. spoke that I learned that I didn't know before. So it's, it's, pretty it's amazing. a fascinating piece. It is. And, and your point is exactly the right one. We go back to that original ingredient used to make the yogurt, and that's milk. So we've got this multi-billion dollar industry, the strained yogurt, Greek style yogurt industry, that's predicated on losing, let's call it wasting, between 60 and 75% of that original milk to make that yogurt. 
this is not new news. Hippocrates prescribed fresh whey to his patients in 400 BC as an immune serum full of probiotics, mm -hmm. electrolytes, B vitamins. This is a superfood. It's, it's nutritionally dense. It's delicious. Um, maybe not to our palates, but to a lot of cultures around the world that have regularly made the yogurt or the labne and created this milk water, which is seen as a delicacy alongside. When we started the spare food company, the pandemic hit. Um, we accelerated our uh, product innovation pipeline. And we landed on this product because it's such a story that's emblematic of the challenges that we have with our food industry, and specifically here in New York State, where approximately 70% of the Greek-style yogurt that is produced and consumed in the United States is actually made here in New York State. And the, all the dairy farms? All the dairy farms, great dairy, uh, a lot of other reasons for it. You go back to the 1960s, it's a good uh, investigative report for somebody at some point in time. But the fact of the matter is that you can't really find these numbers again because it's a big number. But from what we can gather, speaking to different state agencies, uh, EPA, various others, is that there are at least a billion pounds of whey discarded every single year in New York State. One billion. One billion with a B. With a B. One billion with a B pounds of whey, milk water, discarded, thrown away every year in new york state so state. over the past 10 years when greek yogurt has gone through the roof and i'm thinking i have in my mind but i'm, I'm not going to say it but everybody will know if you follow sort of like food trends and food tech there's like one company in particular that just skyrocketed and is very food techy and very startup and very leading the way in terms of alternative or interesting food products and that production has just gone through the roof so that's easy easily 10 billion pounds over the past 10 years i would think mm. Something around that. Um, which is breathtaking. Which is breathtaking. And again, you know, some of this is fed to farm animals. Pigs love it. Um, okay. Some of it is used for biodigesters. But the fact... What, what is a biodigester? It's a way of making clean energy using waste in the food system uh, and other places. Sometimes it's, it's solid waste. Sometimes it's liquid waste. Um, but there's been a fair amount of, of innovation around um, trying to find new ways to use these uh, streams of waste, in quotations, uh, to make, to make uh, cleaner energy sources. Okay. Very expensive. Um, but the fact that if we just go back to the way itself, why look for these alternative uses if it's still a food, if it still <laughs> could be kept and, in and the a food super system food, as according food for to people. the right. Greeks? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of the yogurt. Right. So, Superfood from way back, from back in the BC. From back original, in the BC. Original well, superfood. This is OG. <laughs> OG in the BC. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, why is this an issue? Well, whey is slightly acidic. And it's got these life cultures, these probiotics. So it needs to be neutralized, pre-treated before it can be discarded, discarded uh, into the wastewater system. So anything that is not used to feed the pigs or in biodigesters, and that might be around 10%. There's, again, no real data here, but that's just some of the numbers we've heard. It has to be pre-treated before it can go into the wastewater system. Otherwise, what happens? Otherwise, those probiotics that are alive cause algae blooms, massive fish die-offs. If it goes directly onto farmland, there's actually a number of studies that have been done on plant yields and crop yields, which are down 25% on fields that are saturated with too much of the whey. And so this is a Scorched massive earth. environmental issue for us. So the, 
the reason why the reasons why you can't put whey untreated in its natural state out into the environment is that it just has so much going on. It's so powerful, the live probiotics and all those things, just going to start to create an imbalance and either eat the thing that it goes on to or supercharge the thing, which then will put the ecosystem out of balance. Correct. Okay. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's fascinating. So it is fascinating. And it, and again, it's such a New York story and, and such an opportunity for us to demonstrate how working with the right partners, capturing ingredients, keeping them food safe, working with the right manufacturing partners, in our case, also working with Cornell, being such a great you know school in uh, you know, uh, with dairy also with dairy an also excellent ice focus. cream program yeah <laughs> um, you know all of these things came together so beautifully for us in in the creation of our first product and I think that's where you know in in the upcycled food association Tyler and and Salt and Straw reaching out saying who should we look at working with who's got products out there that might be right for us uh, this was just such a, a natural um, conversation to have and an opportunity to explore so before we get to the actual ice cream and we are going to actually get to the ice cream <clears throat> how much milk water whey are you saving and putting back into the world well um, rescuing that, from that, that one billion that that number of of the upcycled food association so there's two certification levels is uh, upcycled certified product and a certified upcycle ingredient so we have a spare tonic an upcycled certified product our product has anywhere between 80 and 93% fresh whey in every 12 ounce can of spare tonic that's pretty unbelievable we don't cut it with water we don't dilute it we're purchasing literally tens of thousands at this point a couple of hundred tons of whey which is a couple hundred tons, tons of, of whey is that annually in, quarterly, in the last uh, since we started this production at scale which is just two years ago right now and all of it here in new york the, the yogurt is produced here the whey is produced here the milk is from the hudson valley uh, we're small enough that we can still do that that's not always going to be possible um but yeah, um, the number is a, a couple of hundred tons of uh, liquid tons of whey that we have kept in the food system as food for people through the production of spare tonic. So spare tonic, the um, thing that I think probably people will be most familiar with is uh, kombucha, which is effervescent, it's sparkling, it has live probiotics and a bunch of things in it. It is a fermented product, so it also has a little alcohol. Um, it also is a little bit bitter or acidic. Sometimes no, depends. It's really interesting for us. Um, what's dif- Talk different? Talk about the comparison, yeah. like so, either the parallels or the differences between sure. those two, just because I think that's... It's an easy frame of reference exactly. as a probiotic sparkling mm-hmm. beverage. What's different for us is you don't get that acidic flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of this is the brilliance of Adam as a chef coming up with the product. Um, this is not formulated in a lab. It's This is something that's done literally with four ingredients and um, real cooking and, and manufacturing techniques that you can do in your own kitchen, but we've figured out how to do it scale, not creating anything new, but recognizing in our particular case that the process to actually um, produce spare tonic is analogous to the craft brewing process, the equipment that's used, some of the processes while in different orders and slightly different um, are, are pretty similar. So the product itself, 
I think if people didn't know that Spiritonic was made from a fermented dairy product, they wouldn't get it, 99% of that. There's almost none of that um, fermented dairy, like what you consider a fermented dairy flavor available at all. It's literally just four ingredients. It's the whey itself, a little bit of, of honey, um, both as a catalyst for the fermentation, but also to balance out the, the umami, the sweet um, and salty of, of the, uh, the whey itself. And then it's juice. It's a fruit and a spice or a fruit and a fruit. And so the product um, itself, the beverage itself, has this beautiful roundness to the flavor. It's got this mouthfeel that's a little more full that I think comes from those dairy proteins. Um, but this is where it's finding a home on that functional beverage fr fridge. There really isn't anything like it. And when people recognize that it's a truly clean ingredient, four real ingredients, that it is absolutely versatile across the day that it is so full of uh, these incredible nutrients that you would probably need to eat three or four other snacks to get and it has this sustainability story um, that that is I think what sets it apart well so there it is the spare food company sparkling tonic we're going to take a quick break right now now that we've heard the salt and straw story, the upcycled food story, and the spare food story, now it's time to get to the ice cream story. Mm. <laughs> when we come back, we'll be eating the amazing, delicious lemon curd and whey ice cream. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. You are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is inside the Heritage Radio Network studio at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you've never been to Roberta's Pizza, you should come. Now's the great time of year. We got the tiki bar open. It's wonderful. And you can actually sit at a table right in front of the studio window and watch us making radio while you eat delicious pizza. We get to eat delicious pizza while we're doing the show. And if you invite guests strategically, maybe you can have ice cream. Today we are talking with Tyler Malik, who is the co-founder and head ice cream maker of Salt and Straw Ice Cream. You can visit them online, saltandstraw.com. The and is spelled out. You can find them on social media at Salt and Straw. We are also here with Jeremy Kay, co-founder and CEO of The Spare Food Company, Find them online, sparefood.com and at sparefoodco. We are talking about 
the Upcycle Food Series that started in May and will run through the end of June at Salt and Straw Ice Cream. They have dedicated themselves right now and for the, the future to really limiting the food that they waste both internally in their production and by seeking out ingredients for their production that are actually spare food items, trying maybe not to say wasted because there's actually nothing wrong with it. People just haven't been paying attention to it. So this particular ice cream flavor, um, well, actually, Tyler, before we get to this one, tell us what the other ice cream flavors are. There's six of them, I believe. We've got five partners. for the Five movie. partners, um, okay. So we've got this one. I'll lead up to this one. Um, we're working with a really cool chocolate maker here called uh, Blue Stripe um, that focuses on using the whole cacao bean, um, getting more money to the farmers and using the, the fruit and the husk. Um, we've got a really cool partnership in San Francisco with a company called Renewal Mill uh, that is doing a lot of baked goods. So you can buy like brownie mix and bake it at home. Um, but they're using all upcycled flowers. So in this case, we're using okara flour or doja, which is a um, kind of the leftover from making um, soy milk um, and tofu. Uh, we're working with a company that works with brewers um, called Evergrain. So they're uh, actually converting all of the leftover grains from making beer into protein. Um, which they can, they figure if they convert all of the leftover grains, they can feed 1.1 million people a year. That's amazing. You drink beer, you get, you feed people. It's great. Um, and then uh, one of my favorites, we're working with a really small nonprofit in Portland um, who has focused on really going to grocery stores and um, getting leftover day old bread. Um, and we're cooking that into a bread pudding ice cream. That sounds amazing. And then we have this one, which is the lemon curd and whey, mm, which is using... Favorite. Uh, Jeremy, tell us about the tonic that is in this. So uh, this is lemon and ginger spare tonic. Um, until the most recent flavor came out, this was my most favorite flavor. Um, I just drank this all day long. It's this classic lemon and ginger flavor. It's this tart with a little spice. And when you drink the tonic, you get these beautiful layers of flavor on the tongue. It's almost like it starts at the front and moves back through your mouth. And... Um, we sent all of our flavors. There wasn't. Uh, there were four flavors at the time that we were producing that we sent to Salt and Straw uh, for them to really just experiment with and see what might work best. And um, this was unanimous. Mm -hmm. this, this, this one was the easy one. Um, we. I don't think we even tasted the other three. You only showed us. Sent this <laughs> the early samples. You and David sent these to us uh, to taste because they were so right on. There was yeah. practically nothing that needed doing. So tell yeah. us about the lemon curd and whey, and we're going to eat it I now love while this. he's talking okay, about okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. So this was so easy to make because all we did is we took that spare tonic, um, which is 93% whey. Uh, in this particular one, yeah, it's 93%. Um, we pitched it into ice cream, so that gave, you know, that kind of gave us a bit of a texture when it interacted with the cream. Um, it gave it this nice little tang on the back end, a ton of flavor. And then we took the raw whey um, or you know, the whey itself and we cooked that into a curd. Um, so we basically replaced all the lemon juice in a typical classic lemon curd recipe and replaced it with whey. Um, so when you're eating through this, you're gonna get a lot of these kind of traditional like lemony yogurty flavors, but it's all done with the whey from uh, spare food. So does, do all of the superfood elements of the tonic, are they able to survive the, the freezer, the ice cream freezer? Do we keep some? Do we lose some? Where are we in the, is this like a superfood ice cream or just a 
enhanced ice cream? Where does it hit on the spectrum of functional food? Because that's a big, functional food is a mm -hmm. big, big food tech trend right now. And the more sort of health conscious we are, certainly coming into the pandemic, people were voraciously looking for multitasking opportunities with what they're eating. And post-pandemic, people are looking for that plus any way to make themselves healthier and more bulletproof. Yeah, so in the base of the ice cream, it was easy. I mean, we took their tonic, which is super nutritive, um, and literally just pour it in. It goes in the freezer, so we're conserve or we're preserving that. Um, it's delicious. Freezing by the is way. one of my favorite mm -hmm. forms of preser preservation, what, obviously. Um, what are the ribbons? Uh, the ribbons of the yellow. The that's the way. Yeah, that that's is the way. The way curd. Itself. It is like a creamy lemon curdy. Yeah. yeah. Say it. So it's delicious. It's lemon meringue pie. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I need a graham cracker now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We should put a crust in mm. there. Graham cracker cone. Mm -hmm. Yum. Make a graham cracker cone for this. So this was um, right. by far the easiest flavor we've created at Salt and Straw in a really long time. You made it really easy for us, not going to lie. Um, it, it, it really is. There, there's this ingredient that is so commonly overlooked, whey from yogurt making, um, that has so much flavor left in it. And it's it's incredible how it interacts with the cream and sugar in this ice cream. So if you took the tonics, all the other flavors, and put them into ice cream, it would just create these these beautiful ribbons of like creamy flavor? I think there's a few. I think the way itself, um, so, so in addition to creating spare tonic for salt and straw, we actually um, processed the fresh whey um, for them as well for the ribbons uh, that they then turned into the ice cream put in you know into the, their uh, production as these ribbons in ice cream I think it's going to be really fun and it's interesting delicious. to see what happens with the other ones um, what are the other tell us what the other we're flavors already conspiring. are um, so the other flavors um, the one that we're, we're most excited about because it's the newest one and I think it's just going to uh, hopefully this time next year we'll be having our next conversation with the passion fruit and yuzu mm. spare tonic mm. which is uh, launched two to six weeks ago or so now um, available it's like exotic tropical Pacific exotic Asian tropical, food yeah but it's, it's so just good. this like again like the levels and layers of the flavor not too sweet mm. not too tart you're not quite sure where the passion ends and the yuzu begins and the yuzu ends and the passion continues and it's just incredible it's a good place to be it's not bad at it's all it's a very good place the to cucumber be cucumber one as well <laughs> then the cucumber and lime is for me that's like summertime so springtime walking through a field that's just come into bloom that's what that one feels like to me he's a shot of mezcal can i have just... the little part at the top that just looks like perfectly oh, yeah. melty um blueberry and ginger it's... pretty oh. phenomenal as well because Thank it you. just um you know it was that actually blueberry and ginger first year out as a company won best new beverage mm. at expo west mm -hmm. um and it just again it, it's just it's like your favorite adult version healthy version of your your best kid you know soda cherry soda grape soda you name it it just kind of has that reminiscence to it um what am i forgetting um we cycle in not quite as often as salt and straw does but uh, flavors come and go um peach and turmeric mm. delicious as well a uh, very rounded flavor that turmeric that was one that that very early on um got a lot of people excited because of obviously what turmeric brings to to the uh, conversation anti -inflammatory. as well anti-inflammatory exactly so those are the five right now you know part of of what's really incredible we have a, a fantastic relationship 
with a, a, um, a brewery uh, where we are able to make everything. And, and for us, it's really six weeks from Adam really coming up with the right flavor to actually being able to bring it to market. What takes the longest time is doing the nutritional testing and getting the labels made. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. So yeah, we're going to constantly be bringing new things to market, seeing what's seasonal available and, and um, you know, pushing that flavor profile. So does this now make my ice cream functional? Is this ice cream Absolutely. now functional food? Absolutely. No, I, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Does it, are, no, for do sure. Do we have like live probiotic and vitamin-y type things That's happening? That's the one thing you'll probably not have through the process because of, of, the of freezing. making the ice cream. Yeah. So probiotics so can't live during is, the during, – what's the temperature threshold? Uh, it depends uh, on the strains of probiotic, but you know our own process is very carefully calibrated. So we are actually uh, have live cultures throughout that shelf life. It's a refrigerated shelf life on our product. I think that's the one thing in the ice cream process that you probably wouldn't be able to claim is the probiotics, but you know the B vitamins, the electrolytes, all those other things, and uh, deliciousness. Uh, oh. I and think, deliciousness. I think it's deliciousness enhanced. <laughs> exactly. Um, is is what you get instead. Has the sports nutrition wellness complex delivered yeah. di- discovered the, the like a home run, isn't it? Probiotic way original superfood drink. It's yet? Uh, starting to. We just completed some studies towards the end of last year with a nutritionist and dietitian to look at spare tonic and how it stacks up against or alongside of energy drinks, um, hydration drinks, other wellness drinks out there. It's pretty spectacular to see Mm. just how this completely creates a new segment within that um, functional beverage category. That's exciting. Well, we'll have to have you back on to talk about that. There are so many really interesting inventions, developments, products in the, what I'll call health and wellness and sports category as a subset of food tech. Um, Things that measure your metabolism, whether your body's burning fat or carbs, something like really taking an analytical look at a probiotic tonic and see how that works. I think we'll probably be doing a series on a few of those things in the fall, maybe people who are interested in that come back and visit with the fall and see we'll do probably a few episodes back to back of things in that category because there just are so many of them it's really interesting yeah and as the science as we're able to understand the science better i mean one of the things about whey is that all of this is inherent in the product it's not you don't a, have to add something or do something add, or make something result, or grow it in a lab or duplicate it or but because it's all it's not a dissolved solid in this liquid it's actually the bioavailability to the cells to the the physiology is pretty phenomenal yeah. when you start to understand yeah. that a little better and that's what's getting us really excited so it sounds like the tonic the way tonic is solving two things one it's solving just the environmental issue of not dumping the way into the environment and either supercharging the algae or killing the fish the, the soil um and then also the environmental issue of just recuperating something that's already been produced and then just continuing along the usage chain and then you make it easy for people to want to try something or or yeah. you know i think You know, there's a lot of information out there. And as food consumers, there are so many things we're supposed to be paying attention to. If you Mm -hmm. want to be a, you know, good for your home, good for your body, good for Mm -hmm. your family, good for your community, good for the planet. There's a lot of 
entities out there that we need to be looking out for to be good for, mm-hmm. it's hard sometimes. And sometimes yeah. it's overwhelming. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if the upcycled certified stamp is not, you know, really widely used, or I don't know what that means, it's hard right. for me to identify that. So yeah. I think food manufacturers, food producers like yourself, I don't need to really know the story. I mean, right. it's lovely to it's know delicious. the story. It's yeah. an interesting story, the interconnectivity, the mm-hmm. ideas, the innovation, um, the efficiency. I mean, uh, we should all just want to be more efficient yeah. to use yeah. less and make more money, even mm-hmm. if we look at it from a purely capitalistic point of view and oh, yeah. you don't give a damn about it. I mean, yeah, whatever, converting a billion pounds of anything that's wasted into, even if you had a, even if you had a penny for every pound away, yeah. How much would you, how many pennies would you have? Right. How many? A billion pennies. A billion pennies. What is a billion <laughs> pennies a for? Pennies. <laughs> it just makes more sense. Right. But for consumers to be able to just sort of latch mm-hmm. on to a delicious product, I yeah. love ice cream. Yeah. Who doesn't? Or I like salt and straw, or I like this company. I mm-hmm. like these ice creams. You know, you and, you and Jeremy can, you know, build it all into the back end right. and then it's okay. You know, the kids who are going to eat this and love it and they don't necessarily need to know. No, but Jen, I think there is something here that that is really important and, and we're starting to see some real change um, in how people choose the brands that they support, the foods that they're choosing, at least those of us fortunate enough to choose where our food comes from and you know what we get to eat each day. I think there is an incredible connection that not enough of us are making yet about the ability for people to actually have an impact every single day with their food choices. That impact in terms of their personal health and the health of the planet. And I think this upcycled movement around food broadcasting, as a concept, as a word, upcycled is a new word, as a concept. It's older than you know. Most of us can imagine in terms of how our grandparents and generations of cooked Greek forever. and Roman. You, right. I exactly. believe you said it fourteen twenty yeah. four hundred BC. BC. Um, but back I think then, that, but I think once people realize that you know to spend money on an ice cream cone or buying a better functional beverage or choosing a better cookie or a better tomato sauce or whatever they're going to end up using is actually a way that they can make an impact right this minute in the choices that they're making. They don't have to wait till they can afford an electric vehicle or to own a home that they can solarize or all these things that we kind of spend so much time and energy about. There's agency in this for those of us, as I say, much more again, immediate, much more accessible, much more immediate and accessible, accessible for, immediacy for around many. us every day. Correct. It used to just be recycling. Like if you wanted to be environmentally thoughtful, you recycled right. or you That's bought recycled products. Um, you know, now you have to sort of go one or two steps further composting. Yeah. But this is the beauty of this kind of relationship with Salt and Straw, with the brand, the cult following, the lines out the door of every one of their scoop shops from the moment they open, um, the ability of each server to have this one-on-one conversation with millions of people to let them know that, yes, it is delicious. And oh, by the way, this is the story behind it, that story through storytelling through ice cream is just a phenomenal opportunity and, and one we're very, very proud to participate in. Yeah, and it's. A, I mean, I think it's it's a huge onus on me as a chef, Adam, as a chef. Like we're um, the focus is, of course, it's it's an interesting story. It's important for the world, but at the same time, there's no reason this shouldn't be the most delicious ice cream you've ever eaten. There's no reason that shouldn't be one of the most delicious drinks you've ever had. Um, 
it's it's good. It's really really tasty. It's actually not hard to make something good. I mean, yeah. the, the these are very simple products. Yeah. They have very few ingredients. Yeah. Um, it's actually takes as much, sometimes less energy and time and thought to make something great versus something complicated and mediocre. I mean, yeah. processed food, even though we, you know, I'm a little bit sometimes on the fence about so many of these uh, plant-based, non-meat, alternative everythings from nuggets to burgers to ice creams to milks to whatever, um, grown in a lab, made in a production facility from, you know, any number of ingredients. They're not necessarily better. Just because it's plant-based doesn't mean it's better. Just because it's plant-based or yeah. lab-grown does not mean they're not using excessively created ingredients right. and stripping off other things that get dumped back in that are wasted just because it's under the moniker of plant-based and you know an animal was not used for it that doesn't mean it's actually better for the environment doesn't mean it's better body. for you yeah. or your body or has the same nutrition i mean it might taste like it but it might not have any of the the value points of it that make it something that we need or love or like yeah john i think you know we go back to the fundamentals here salt and straw the spare food company both co-founded co-led by chefs um it's real ingredients and you taste those real ingredients. Mm -hmm. It's real cooking techniques. You taste it in that finished product. There's a lot of, you know, great inventions happening out there, but really, you know, if we, I, I, we're no Luddites, don't get us wrong. You know, if we weren't we're, we're, manufacturing, we're on, we're on internet based. <laughs> we're on internet. We're manufacturing. <laughs> Somebody it, took an airplane to get here last that, night. You right. know, I mean, there's a whole lot I of that. I do not see a horse and buggy no, outside. Yeah. I see, you know, tiki is, bar. But there is absolutely this uh, notion of these clean ingredients, real ingredients, celebrating ingredients, and thinking about them as ingredients mm -hmm. first and foremost, and then crafting them into these delicious foods. And also. Uh, I'll just, you know, add a, add a, you know, end point to that with some, you know, even further specificity. This is a dairy product mm -hmm. and dairy's good. Dairy can be great. Dairy farms can be good places. It's not all the evil, evil, evil complex. And, you know, not all farms are bad. Not all plant farms are good. There are lots and lots of really big industrial vegetable farms that are doing terrible things to the land. And likewise, some great dairy farms that are doing great things for the land, the animals, and for our spoons. <laughs> yeah, and we believe if you're going to put those resources into the production of plants or of dairy or of meat, um, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we are fully recognizing and realizing that those inputs are not wasted further down the supply chain, the food chain. Well, we love great stories here on Tech Bytes and at Heritage Radio Network. Um, if you love Tech Bytes and you love this conversation and hearing this story, this is episode 292. We have a lot of episodes for you to listen to at heritageradionetwork.org or on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere. We are broadcast by Simplecast. 
give a listen. And I say 292 because 300 is coming. Trying to get Gerard Butler and do the 300 show Mm -hmm. this fall. It's going to dovetail also with the 15th anniversary of Heritage Radio Network, which is 15 years. I mean, not as far back as 400 BC, but that's a lot of stories also. And, you know, I think about all the stories that we tell and some similar ideas about sharing stories in real time, sharing stories in a way that we can keep them and pass them along and save them and celebrate them, that maybe we, maybe we can do a, an anniversary flavor Who's for Tech Bytes and HRN in the fall. That would be amazing. Yeah, 15 years. 15 years 15 for radio, flavors. 300 episodes for Tech Bytes. I don't even know what Incredible. I was talking about. We've been on the air since January of 2015. <laughs> Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So this is excited. Uh, I mean, it's exciting. I'm excited to make that march to 300 and look back and look forward and all those things, you know, what we did, what we're doing and what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to wrap it up because we're out of time. We're always out of time, but we are never out of ice cream and we are never mm. out of pizza. I want to thank Tyler Malik, co-founder and head ice cream maker of Salt and Straw Ice Cream. Thank you. For coming from the West Coast, for bringing ice cream. Uh, Jeremy Kay, co-founder and CEO of The Spare Food Company. Thank you for joining us and sharing the story. And do come back in the fall. We can maybe take a look at the tonic as the next super functional beverage when we start to look at some food tech for health and wellness. Um, You know, if you're not familiar with the Upcycled Certified Stamp and what they are about, check them out at upcycledfood.org. If you need more Tech Bites, go to heritageradionetwork.org. Listen to all the episodes. If you really need more Tech Bites, click the beating heart, make a donation, spend, send maybe what you spent on your last pint of ice cream. It'll help us make more radio, keep the lights on and the mics hot. If you really think it's a great thing, go to your favorite podcasting platform. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Share it with a friend. It'll help more people discover these stories and where to find delicious food. I'm Jennifer Leitze, and this is Tech Bites. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.